Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Tiffany in Rome, Katie in Seattle. And today, Tiffany, you had an interesting conversation with an Italian that you want to use as our jumping off point. So please tell us what you heard or what's going on. Well, Aurelio's piano teacher, who was at our house today, mentioned that she had recently been in somewhere, in some city in Holland. I don't remember which city. She was saying that it was very well organized, surprisingly so. She couldn't believe how easy everything ran and how well organized everything was and the transportation system. And she didn't go into details, but I'm assuming things like buying tickets online and having the trains leave when they're supposed to and things like that. And she was like, wow, I mean, it's kind of unbelievable that a city could be so well run. But on the other hand, I can see how that might get boring. And I was kind of surprised at this. Part of me got it. But part of me was also surprised. You know, most Italians are always complaining about how nothing runs properly in Rome and Italy in general. And I've never really thought that maybe they secretly like that. It made me think that maybe there's a certain amount of if it's your city and everybody, every every city has their thing that that's like a negative aspect, like maybe for Seattle, it's the rain. And maybe for Rome, it's the disorganization or the noise. And maybe you secretly like that thing. Yeah. That thing you love to complain about, like you love to hate it kind of thing. Yeah, that's interesting. But so she didn't tell you, though, why she thought it would be boring if things ran better. Well, I mean, she was on her way out the door. We, it wasn't. It was a very short conversation. But I just remember her having this sort of um, reaction to it and how, oh, wow, this is really wonderful. But, you know, it might get old after a while. She said the same thing about how quiet it was there. She couldn't believe that a city could be so quiet. And she was like, I didn't think that I was someone who liked noise, but being there, it just felt wrong that, that a city could be so quiet. Mm. That's interesting because, I mean, L- Rome, and I cannot stress this enough for those of you who have yet to visit there, Rome is like the loudest place on earth. It is, <laughs> it is such a loud city. It is so loud. And I don't know if because you've lived there for so long, you don't really realize how loud it is anymore. I don't realize it. It is so loud. It is so loud compared to other cities. I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure New York rivals it, but it is just such a loud place. So I imagine if you go from there to a very, very quiet place, it would be a little shocking. And maybe you realize like how yeah. much you run on background noise because you always have background noise. There's never no background noise. So yes. Well, what what kind of no- like what when you say noisy? Is it just traffic noise? What noise do you pick up on? What do I mean by noise? I mean, it's almost, I mean, it would be like, it's everything, all of it. it it's <laughs> it's traffic. Definitely it's traffic. You know, any place I think where a lot of people ride motorbikes, the traffic is louder. Mm. That's just the way it is. Yeah. But it's it's everything. It's, it's how loud people talk, for one. Everyone talks <laughs> so loud. Oh my God, they totally do. Yeah. They it, totally I mean, do. Every square has a fountain that's making a ton of noise. We've <laughs> talked about it. We've talked about it before. Garbage trucks 
you know oh. our garbage trucks make noise but it doesn't i don't feel like i hear every splinter of shattering glass when our garbage men come through so there's something about okay the fair <laughs> fair enough the, the glass recycling trucks they make so much noise that it's almost painful to your ears. Like it, like almost I have very, painful. Very it's ears, extremely actually. painful yeah. to your no, ears. No, but I mean, like physically, it hurts. Yes, it like physically hurts when they dump that huge bin of glass, especially in Trastevere. I think it's worse in Trastevere because there's so many bars that they're the 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 trash bins are just full of beer and wine bottles. I used to live on a street that had one of those glass containers, like right outside my window. And I just remember like waking up to it at what felt like 4 a.m. It was probably more like seven. But just how <laughs> can anything be this loud? Like, and it's just that is the one thing I will I will definitely give you that I that I have not gotten used to. Well, they it's if you can picture this, it's like the garbage truck, but it's an open air dump truck. So it's got like no lid to it. And then you were to drop glass from a height into this open metal pit, say. Yeah, and, it, and just, a very large quantity of glass. Yes, and, of and glass. on a very narrow street. So it just ricochets from one building to another. I mean, I definitely oh. have lost bits of my hearing. You know, this ringing in my right ear is surely partly caused by Roman garbage department. <laughs> do uh, you really think so? <laughs> yes, I do. I remember moving to Rome and thinking, okay, I'm going to have a year off of working in radio. Surely this will help preserve my hearing. Not no. at all. I moved to the <laughs> loudest place on earth. And Katie's swinging in here for a quick aside, since I found that I do have a recording of the glass garbage in my voice memos. So I'm going to put it in here. And if you really want to get even a slightest idea of what this is actually like, <laughs> turn your podcast player up as loud as it can possibly go. Just be warned, you might lose a little bit of your hearing. that's a little taste. Now back to the original conversation. Now, here, it's, it's funny that you bring this up because just the other day I was talking to Derek and I was asking him, you know, we were just sort of reminiscing about, you know, how long it had been actually since we've lived in Rome and how long ago it feels. I was saying, well, would you want to do it again? Like, let's say you got the same fellowship offered to you now. Would you go again? And he paused for a minute. And he's like, hmm. I don't know. And I'm like, really? You don't know if you'd go again? And he said, I think you just remember the good things now. You and I didn't get decent sleep for an entire year because our apartment was so loud, you know, because we lived above a pizza restaurant. I mean, he just started listing off these things, all of which were a pain <laughs> in the butt. And he's like, but still, given all that, yeah, I would go back and spend a few months there. And I said, what if you could spend a few months there but you had to stay in our old apartment. <laughs> Would you move back? And he's like, I don't think so. I really don't think so. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, after living in your current home, which is by no means a sprawling mansion, but is, you know, is, <laughs> not even is by roomy. any means a sprawling mansion. 
it's it's roomy and comfortable, you know, to go from an actual house with multiple bedrooms and bathrooms to a studio apartment above a is, pizza place. It's, it's, it's really above, above a pizza the pizza place. place. That's the problem. That is the problem. That is the problem. We lived above Claudio and I lived at that same time above an Indian restaurant, which was very good, by the way. But the dragging of the chairs. I mean, I used to just <laughs> want to cry because they would drag every night, like at the end of the, I didn't mind the people chattering so much because it wasn't like a, it wasn't the type of place where people went to make a ton of noise, like a pizza place kind of, it was a more quieter crowd. Yeah. But at the end of the night, late, because they stayed open really late, they would just drag the chairs across the cobblestones because there was outdoor seating, of course. And I remember just wanting to cry because I'm like, I will never, ever get to sleep. Well, um, see, another fine example. They didn't pick up the chairs. They dragged them. And not only did they drag them, they dragged them over cobblestones. What's noisier, uh -huh. pushing a baby stroller down a paved sidewalk or pushing a baby stroller over cobblestones? It's just louder. Of course. Everything is louder. The city is... Yeah, just... You used to say even the dogs bark louder. <laughs> they do. They are so loud <laughs> because they have to be heard over everything else. I wonder if the birds chirp louder. I mean, the parrots seem to. But I live in crow country, so I can't really say. I mean, crows are so loud. <laughs> they are like the loudest bird. But yeah, so I think that that, to her point. But going back to her bigger point about how it would be boring if everything were to work well. The example of, if the trains always showed up on time, how boring is that? It's almost like she enjoys this sort of unpredictability and what, irritation? If you had to guess, knowing this woman, what would she find boring about this? I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it is the unpredictability. Maybe it's, I mean, I always talk about, we recently talked about driving in Rome and I always say, you know, Rome is a horrible place to drive. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's so wonderful to drive in Rome. However, when you're in Rome, you know that if you do something stupid and you cut someone off on accident, you are probably not going to get into an accident. Anything mm -hmm. can happen, but it's, you're just much less likely. And you're also much less likely to get really yelled at by someone. Like somebody maybe will give you a like a hand gesture or look at you like you're a jerk, but that's about it. More likely than not, they're just going to ignore it because they've done that and way, way, way worse. And so I think there's something about living in Rome, living in a country city, but we could say the whole country that doesn't have strict rules or that's not true. Rome does have, Italy does have a lot of rules, but they're not really enforced and they're not really followed. So I guess that's the same thing as not having rules. And when you live in a place like that, there is a positive side of that. You know, if you are a rule breaker, if you are a line cutter, you know, if you are somebody who kind of relies on other people to sort of let things slide for you, it can maybe be a little bit jarring to be in a place where everybody is expected to follow these unwritten rules when I found myself in Amsterdam years ago, I know I was walking down what felt like to me a sidewalk, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, these bikes are coming up on my heels and ringing their bells at me like I'm a criminal because I'm walking on the bike path. Well, that makes complete sense. <laughs> and, you know, if you're a biker, you don't want people walking or worse, walking their dogs on the bike path. You know, there is something to be said about being in a place where people aren't going to really give you a hard time about things like that. They're just going to be like, well, whatever. There's like there are worse things to deal with. Like, I'll, I'll just let that slide. 
Well, it is a good reminder for us to all, no matter where we are in the world, perhaps not be as irritated when we come across somebody who's breaking the rules because they might be just somebody who's visiting who doesn't know any better. Certainly. True. It's sort of like how in the United States, if you are going up an escalator, people just stand in your way. People just get on the escalator and stand like it's a ride and there's no <laughs> getting around them. And, and in England, for instance, everybody who wants to stand stands to the right and everybody who wants to walk up goes up the left. And if you don't know that, like I can remember my dad being like practically trampled by a bunch of people commuting in London because he didn't know that you had to stand to the right, you know, so they were just shoving him out of the way thinking, oh, this guy is so rude. Meanwhile, in the United States, that's as much as I can't stand it, that's common. So we can be charitable yes. about people making mistakes at the same point. It's a weird argument to make that like you don't get into an accident because everybody is breaking the rules. So they're all being like hyper vigilant because they don't know necessarily what's going to happen. <laughs> I just think that there would be a certain more relaxed quality if everybody did follow a certain rule yeah yeah it's, true because, sure because sure. it is interesting i mean you know me i i loved the cutting in line thing in italy i was all <laughs> about it you know i was cutting lines left and right because you do feel like when everybody who's a local is cutting the line you as the foreigner who's standing in line nice and orderly like you do in your home country you feel like an idiot because i mean they've got the right idea you know why go in the exit at the Pantheon. Don't go in the entrance. It's genius, okay? <laughs> it's a great hot tip. Go in the exit. Don't come in the entrance. But at the same point, it's like a whole bunch of people trying to get ahead, but they're all trying to get ahead in the same way, which just means that it's just kind of culturally chaotic. Chaos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If Italy was different, I mean, and this could stand in for so many other countries, by the way. So we're just, this is the mm -hmm. lens because Tiffany's in Rome. But if... The Romans all of a sudden were like, you know what? She got here first. You know, we're going to let her go in first, for example. It's possible, or if all the trains showed up on time, it's possible that people would be relaxed in a way that they don't even expect is possible. You know what that's I mean? Po that's possible. I don't know. I, I don't know that that would lead to relaxation, though. I don't know if that's the word I would pick. I would pick maybe the word... A little more complacent a little more i don't know i mean if the I, bus I, to, I always showed up on time okay no that would be awesome yeah what she's saying would be kind of boring but if it really did show up on time all the time she wouldn't find that boring she'd be thinking about other things that's true that's true i guess may maybe it was a, a symbol for life in general maybe she just likes the happy-go-lucky easygoing italian way of doing things i mean there's something i will say that even since I've been living here, I've seen Rome become more rule-oriented. It's never going to be like Holland or, for God's sake, Switzerland. Um, <laughs> never. But, <laughs> but it is definitely not as free-for-all as it used to be. Mm -hmm. I really feel things have – I mean, I feel like in the supermarket where I go, nobody cuts the line. Here's what might happen. A new line opens up. And the person in the back of the next line hurries up and gets there first. That I can see happening. However, here's something that happens all the time in Italy, and I don't know that I've ever seen it happen anywhere else, is that if you're standing in line at the supermarket, you got the huge cart full of stuff, and there's someone behind you with six things, people will be like, go ahead, 
go in front of me. You only have six things. It happens all the time here. That's the right thing to do. So, <laughs> yeah, it's the right thing to do. But I feel like you, that wouldn't happen in a more regimented society where it's like, nope, I was here first. So I get to go first, period. Yeah, you know? that's true. If people are just a little bit more flexible here. And as far as the escalator thing, it's funny because here <laughs> it's kind of like um, a mix between the two. So you've got people, the like 80% of the people know the rules that you're supposed to stand on the right and walk on the left, know them and follow them. And then you've got 20% of the people. It's not just the one foreigner. It's like 20% of the people don't, whatever, whatever reason, don't follow the rule. And you'll have people, especially like at, at commuter time, like walking up that left side, trying to get to their, you know, connecting train. And there's someone stopped in front of them and they just stop. And yeah, they just wait. That's what they do and they don't, here. But in Italy, it's people know. Most people know. Mm -hmm. So there's not the excuse that Americans have. of It's just not a rule there. And they won't be like throwing up their arms and being like, get out of the way. And this is the walking side. They're just like, okay, I'm going to stop now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just a more relaxed attitude towards life in general, I think. Hmm. Interesting. It got me wondering, and I don't know if you have an answer to this, but I think that there's like countrywide things. I mean, it's a little tricky to compare the United States to Italy because we're just so much bigger, but countrywide things. And then there are like, statewide things and then there are city things and i don't know what why you were when you were talking about this i was thinking of like well what are the seattle city things where it's like culturally what people do and the one that popped to my mind because i find it so ridiculous is that, <laughs> is that that seattleites have a tendency if they go and see a performance it can be a dance performance, it can be a play, it can be a musical, whatever it is. If it's people performing in front of other people, they will inevitably give a standing ovation, regardless of how good or bad the thing that we just watched was. So it has no meaning. I don't think so. I did go to one show recently where one person tried to start the standing ovation and everyone else was like, no way. But that was a rare, rare occasion. What generally was speaking, <laughs> generally speaking, <laughs> I don't know if I should say its run has got to be over. So I'm not going to say. But anyway, it was a show that was not terribly unentertaining, but it did feel like it was a professional theater putting on something that a bunch of middle schoolers had come up with. Is <laughs> how it felt oh. uh, watching it. It mm -hmm. was quite hilarious as a former drama student to watch, but at the same point, embarrassing because this was one of Seattle's biggest theaters. And you're thinking, okay, we're out of COVID. What have they come up with in the meantime? And you're like, oh man, they put on a middle school play, except with like adults trying to be serious. Oh, it wasn't actually middle schoolers, to be clear. It was it was an adult show that just felt like middle schoolers in a community theater came up with it. Anyway, so that one they didn't succeed. Everything else, though, standing ovation. And because of that, like if you want to be able to see the performers bow. And like you enjoyed the mm -hmm. show, you want to sort of see them off and applaud or while they get their flowers or whatever, you have to stand up like you have to join the standing ovation. Otherwise, you can't uh. see anything. <laughs> and so ultimately it always ends up being an entire theater of standing ovation regardless. But that seems to be a Seattle thing. Like, I don't feel like you'd find that it's, somewhere else. It's so funny when I when I was very my very first year in Boston it was my freshman year and it happened to be a big anniversary for the concert hall of the school, which is very important. Jordan Hall, it's an important concert hall in Boston. 
so they, get, they we did this huge concert. It was very, very important. It was white tie. Uh, there were all sorts of VIPs there. Seiji Ozawa was there. It was the creme de la creme of Boston society and intellectual and artistic society. And I sang with a chorus and the orchestra. We did Beethoven. And I just remember we finished and I was standing next to a girl who had been there a few years longer than me. And they were clapping 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 and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And finally, like finally, after what felt like 20 minutes, they finally stood up. And she was like, oh man, Boston never gives standing ovations. Like it is so hard to get a standing ovation out of a Boston audience. And she's like, man, it took them a long time to get on their feet. So it's funny that two cities in the same country would have such, I mean, this is 20 years ago or more, but it's interesting. (laughs) You should should choose that particular example. Well, what do they do in Rome? uh, You've been to see a lot of live things in Rome. I'll tell you what they do in Rome and it's awful. Tomatoes. No, every, (laughs) every, every single time we go to see anything, but it, it seems to be most common when we go to see, you know, one of the orchestras. What happens is, you know, people clap, some people stand. It's never a full standing ovation. I've never seen the full auditorium, but some people will stand. But what happens is about 80% of the audience leaves during the bows. Mm. I find that to be one of the rudest things that you can do as an audience member is to leave during the bows, especially when it's like a lot of people. Because if it's one or two people, like, oh my gosh, I have a plane to catch. But (laughs) It's everybody. It's almost everybody because everybody wants to get out before the like, you know, the crush in the hallways or in the staircases or whatever. It just makes me so mad because I'm like, here you are as a musician, you know, you give every single thing that you have in you. I mean, whatever you're doing as a performer, you're usually giving everything you have, but like you are just pouring your heart and your soul into it. And to see everybody just walk away while you're still bowing, like, oh, I just, yeah, that just drives me nuts. But that goes with what we were talking about earlier. I mean, quite honestly, they're all (laughs) trying to get a jump on like getting in traffic, you know, Mm -hmm. to the point where they don't revel in the event. No, no, because I love, I love the bows. Like I love applauding. I love the, you know, this is like the only part that the audience really gets to participate in. Yeah, it, it always chokes me up. It always chokes me up. And at the same point also, I mean, this is the other thing when we're talking about whether it or not it leads to chaos. If 80 to 90% of the audience gets up and leaves during the bows, they are actually in the crush. Oh, yeah. The 10% I know. that stay are the ones I that know. get to leisurely people, walk out later. And people, people don't think, well, it's the same. Also, like, okay, what do they do in, in Seattle when it's time to, when the metro stops and the doors open and it's packed, the, the platform is packed and the car is packed? Do you step aside and wait for everyone to get off or do you push in? Because if you push in, this goes to your point, if you just obeyed the rules, it would be better for everyone. Because when you push in, it just, it makes it a misery for everyone, including yourself, because you're like a fish going against the current, you know, you're trying to get in, (laughs) trying to get that seat. Whereas if you just stepped back and waited. (laughs) It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, to answer your question about Seattle, we would let the people step off first. And secondly, they're never that packed. It's never to the point where you have to (laughs) shove a nun out of the way, which I have done (laughs) in Rome, which I would never do in real life. Because you're like, you shoved a nun? I had to move her. Otherwise, I wasn't getting on. She wasn't like letting me on. And I'm like, I'm not waiting here. 
there is space you need to move yeah. i mean and that is the thing is it completely changes your personality like i would never be uh -huh. hey you need to move a shove 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 i mean that would just not happen in seattle that would be uh well i mean it would it probably does happen in seattle but it would not be a common occurrence I mean, I remember preparing my parents for that when they came to visit me in Rome. Like, we're going to shove ourselves onto the most crowded train that you can imagine. And you just have to shove in. You have to shove in. Like, don't don't feel like it's being rude. Otherwise, we will just be stuck on the side of the road. So, you know, it's not yeah. just this train. It's the one that's coming afterwards that's going to be this crowded. It's the one that's coming after that one that's going to be this crowded. You have to just shove your way on. And objectively that's nuts i mean it's it's yeah. common and you're used to it and that's what i expect when i go to rome is that you know i'm ready for it i remember but, the very first time i realized that i had bumped into somebody walking through i think termini station and i i was probably dragging a suitcase behind me and i kind of bumped into someone not on purpose like they were walking in my direction i was walking in their direction and we kind of just bumped each other's shoulders and i didn't turn around and excuse myself even though it wasn't it was like 50 50 fault you know but if that had happened to me in anywhere any other place I would have stopped and said oh excuse me but I didn't stop I just kept going and I realized at the time I was like oh I'm like really being Roman right now because an American would stop and say excuse me but I'm just going and she doesn't care because she's just going too it's not really rude here to yes. do that so I guess you got you got to you know, part of traveling and definitely moving abroad is learning what is rude and what isn't rude, mm -hmm. I guess. Like here, for example, it's extremely rude to walk into a shop and not say good morning or good afternoon and to or to leave a shop without saying thank you. And I mean, if you're in a huge department store, no. But if you're in someone's boutique, you walk in, you say hello. And then when you leave, you say thank you, which is the opposite of, I guess, how it would be in the States. They would welcome you and they would thank you when you left. But here you have to do it. Yeah. So that would have been the moment when you realized that you were not just a newbie expat anymore. You were you were truly part I was of integrating. It. You were integrated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we should leave it there. A reminder if you haven't done it already, that Tiffany is sending out or has sent out already, depending, I'm not sure, Tiffany, if you've done it or not, uh, <laughs> a newsletter about all the tips that she gave in the mini episode about Florence. So if you have a trip to Florence coming up and you want the addresses and times for all of the locations that she mentioned, get on that list. We do not spam you. It is just good information. So and we call it a monthly newsletter, but quite frankly, it's it's more of a like a quarterly newsletter yeah, at this it, point. It, it depends on how much time we have and how much is going on in other parts of our lives or how ambitious we're feeling. But I, I do mm -hmm. think um, it's worth getting on that list, especially because you never know. We give great tips, good observations, occasionally invite you to interesting things. So if you want to sign up for the newsletter, you can either just send us an email ask us to and we'll put it on uh, bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can sign up at our website thebittersweetlife.net and until next time this is The Bittersweet Life I'm Katie Sewell I'm Tiffany Parks join us again bye bye